You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Where can you find both cash flow today and steady appreciation, potentially? Well, I'm Kathy Fetke and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. One of those places is still the same place we've been looking at for 10, 15 years. The difference is now there's finally some inventory that investors couldn't buy because this market was so tight, meaning such low inventory for so many years that we just would love to have promoted the area, but didn't want to get people all excited because they couldn't find anything when uh, interest rates were at 2% and everybody was buying. So today we're going to be talking about the Midwest, Indianapolis, and why that market is still expecting some appreciation and still getting about the same cash flow that we were seeing over the past decade, which is shocking. But we'll talk about why here on The Real Well Show. I have two of my favorite people from Indianapolis who have been just loyal to Real Wealth for many years, helping many of our, our members. Welcome to The Real Well Show. So good to see you again. Well, we're honored to be here and it's great to see you. It's been a while. It, it has been. And I really haven't seen you in person, hopefully hoping to be able to do that. In the meantime, we do have a virtual live event that we're doing at Real Wealth. And you guys are going to be on there talking about some brand new duplexes in your area. So if anybody's interested in learning more about uh, what 10 different property teams and property managers nationwide are doing, what's happening in their markets, uh, what kind of you know interest there is in, with tenants looking for rentals, and what investors are doing, join us on the 11th. That's February 11th. And you can go to realwealthshow.com to sign up for that. And of course, joining Real Wealth is free. So I wanted to make sure people knew that because normally we have an in-person event pretty regularly. We used to do them actually every month, sometimes three times a month. Remember those days? Oh, we miss them. <laughs> well, we miss them. We, we, talk, we still talk about it all the time because we'd come out to San Francisco and just eat food for three days straight and then go to your events and present and hang out with you guys. It was so awesome. So you don't have food in Indiana? Yeah, but <laughs> we, different. Yeah, <laughs> you know. we, we have families we have to go home to. There we can just eat for hour after hour after hour, and that's it. Yeah, you know. there's, there's definitely some good food in San Francisco. It's what it was known for, but now so many cities have great food. There's lots of competition out there. I would say you guys probably still have better barbecue. We've got good barbecue. Barbecue and steak. We've got those covered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we, we do hope to get the live events going again. But uh, with the virtual events, it's it's nice because we have so many members who live all over the country and all over the world. This way they can um, you know save their airline fare and just kind of meet you guys in a virtual live event. But I promise, I'm hoping maybe sometime in May we'll do a live event again and get to see you in person. We're excited about the virtual event. We're going to talk about some of our, our favorite um, topics at that event. I know each group is going to be talking about different things, but we're talking about the uh, kind of the hidden ways that you make money in real estate, such as, you know, the tenant paying down your mortgage, appreciation, uh, you know, the tax benefits, being able to de de depreciate the property. So some really interesting ways to look at cash flow properties that I think some of us forget to you know, realize, you know, mm -hmm. that tenant has paid your mortgage off. We, we, we have a couple of, couple of houses that are paid off in full because of uh, tenants and we forget about it ourselves. We just look at the cash flow, but those ancillary benefits. So we're excited to talk about that at, at the virtual event. 
I'm so glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people have forgotten the fundamentals and because the fundamentals have been all wacky for the last few years for sure. Uh, but yeah, let's go over some of the things that would make, would help an investor see that, that today's pro forma isn't, isn't necessarily what you should be focusing on. It's the long term. So what do you guys look at for long term? Are you looking at five years, 10 years? And then how do you calculate what kind of return you might get from, from it instead of just looking at year one, which is the most expensive year because you're paying closing costs and, you know, you've got the down payment. Yeah. So we, Scott, we, or- we look at properties in, in, only a very long lens. So we know our clients look at them a little shorter lens than we do. We are long-term cash flow investors. We don't care about anything else. So we know that the cash flow on year one is the worst it'll ever be. Your mortgage stays the same year one, year two, year 10, year 30, but the rent goes up every, not every year, but you know, rents will go up. So your cash flow increases. But besides that, that's almost the least important factor for us. For us, it's the gains that you get. First of all, your tenant is paying down your mortgage and the way amortization amortization is calculated, the tenant pays more and more of your mortgage each year. You know, a larger chunk goes down to paying right into your pocket. You've got appreciation. And again, we don't sell on appreciation, but it's real. It exists. If you look at any 10-year period in the United States, you're going to capture some appreciation um, historically, and, and we, would, we would assume that that will continue you know, into the future. So you've got all these different things. So it's hard to just say hard and fast what we look at. We don't use any magical formula. We look at the cash flow just through the lens that that is the smallest sector of what we care about. So we see a lot where it's really popular that you know people want everything right now. Like it's all about I want to I want to go huge right now. We're we're very conservative in our investing where you know we're more of a set it and forget it, you know, type uh, you know type of investment, you know, firm here. We we have clients that have been with us for 15 plus years. And now they look back on their, their portfolios and like, Oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's amazing what adding, you know, good properties and good neighborhoods can do over 15 years. But we see it a lot on, you know, social media and within uh, just society today where people think, Oh my gosh, a 10 year plan. I, I want the money now. (laughs) Um, So we do a lot of training um, based off of our own experience of holding rentals. We're not just providing, you know, properties for our customers. We're long-term investors ourselves and have been doing it for a very long time. And we've seen, you know, how, uh, you know, the fruits of our labor within our own portfolios, uh, you know, 10, 15 years goes by pretty quick. Rang the register recently um, when he was first getting into uh, real estate, he had a, a partner that was a little older than him. This is back in early 2000s. He had a partner that was a little, or night, yeah. Early, around 2000, 2001, a partner who was a lot older than him, they bought a portfolio, just tr- got traditional mortgages on these rentals, but they paid them off on a 15 to 20 year schedule. And he just sold a couple of those and they were paid off in full. And, you know, you, you don't, th- he didn't do any work. He just bought these houses, kept them rented. 15 years later, they've got a portfolio worth millions of dollars liquid that, that they didn't yeah. put very much in to, what to a- get there. 
what a lot of people forget is that 15 years will pass. (laughs) It's going to pass. Time is moving. It feels like it's moving faster and faster. But 15 years really isn't that long. It goes by very quickly. And to, to, you know, free up your time. So you've got all these nest eggs growing. They're like little, little, little eggs, you know, fertilizing or whatever they're growing um, over time that in 15 years, you still have your job. You still have your work. You're here to do something in this world. And you can, you can put your energy in that while you've got these other little, you know, nest eggs growing around you. So can, can, can yeah. I make one other point too? This, this isn't a, we're trying to distract and don't look at cash flow. Our cash flow numbers on the properties we're offering are just as good today as they were when rates were 2% because rents have gone up that much in in this period. So if you feel like, hey, I missed out on the opportunities because rates are a little higher, you know, cash flow is down. Well, for us in our market, cash flow is almost identical to where it's ever been. You know, the, our numbers are still the same. And we've seen that in many markets too where people assume the cash flow is worse right now because uh, rates are up. But that's not always true either. So, you know, it's not just about looking at all of the other ancillary benefits of real estate. The core cash flow is still amazing. Yeah, I mean, and the benefit today is that the prices are a bit lower. And even beyond that, even if prices are the same, just a year ago, it was nearly impossible to get a property. You had so many people bidding and outbidding you, and now you don't have that. And rates aren't really that much higher if you if you buy down the rate. And we're seeing so many sellers today who are sitting on more inventory than they want to because the market did slow. And they're willing, especially you know new homes, they're willing to pay down some points to make that interest rate kind of close to where it was. So you've got the increased rents, but rates aren't really that bad, especially historically speaking. Yeah. Yeah. For, for sure. You know, forget 2% rates, you know, unless there's another economic cataclysm, they're not going to be back there. So, you know, you, you almost have to forget that mindset and look at the historical rates. And, and we, we did a video not long ago showing what interest rates were in the 1980s, you know, and, just so people understand that 15, 16, 17% mortgage rates were standard at many points in history, which sounds crazy, but you know, historically where we are now is not that bad and the cash flow numbers still work. So if you're sitting on the sidelines waiting for the interest rates to come down, you might be sitting on the sidelines forever and miss out on real estate. And we don't feel like they ever should have been that low to begin with anyway. I mean, that caused, you know, us a lot of problems because you know, the competition was so crazy. And in here in Indiana, the competition didn't really need to be that crazy. You know, we were already a very hot market. And then once rates dipped down to that low, I mean, you know, uh, investors struggled, but, you know, even more importantly, you know, people trying to find their home, you know, to live in, they they really, really struggled to find anything. And we got to a, a point where, you know, inspections were waived for, you know, first time home buyers and, you know, appraisal contingencies and, you know, all this stuff that, you know, we hadn't seen before in our uh, 40 plus years of combined uh, experience. So yeah, we're, we're big on people not thinking, Hey, I'm going to wait till rates get back down to two and a half percent, three percent, you know, they never should have been there to begin with. And, you know, in a lot of ways, we're kind of glad that they're not. 
Yeah. Well, though, I do hate to break it to you guys. I just did an interview with Barry Habib on The Real Wealth oh, Show. No. And yeah, and he said rates are probably coming down because uh, rates follow inflation. Inflation's coming down yeah. and, and probably will uh, look really good right around May because the the Fed looks at year over year numbers. So by May, you know, there was already inflation and they're looking year over year and it's just not going to look that bad, which means that rates will probably come down, which means your market's probably going to be insane again. Well, we don't mind them coming down a little, you know, I, I don't know what his prediction was. I was reading this morning, you know, it looks like the Fed's going to, you know, do what everyone expects and raise a quarter mm-hmm. point. But, but, you know, if it's at 5%, 4% mortgage rates in, in May, then that's fine. You know, that's good. We just think those 2% are, are dangerous for the markets. But Pretty fantastic think? for anybody who locked them in. I didn't lock I in enough. I, I can't believe it. I look back, I'm like, what right. was I thinking? I, was, I think mm-hmm. we were just all so busy. <laughs> I hope sure. you locked in a lot of those. Well, we, we don't did, do, but never enough. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, you know. we don't do a lot of typical mortgages. I guess we we've got a yeah we've got a few million in commercial properties that are locked in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So Good for yeah, you. we're 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 happy about that. <laughs> it's funny because that's we don't think of we're we're set it and forget it, guys. Yeah, you know we I, I forget about that stuff too. You know because I bought the house it or properties whether it's commercial or, or residential and. And we let the we let those things work for us. I don't look back at those rates and try to chase things. And uh, maybe we could do a better job at that. But that's the numbers. Of real estate. Numbers still work, though. Numbers yeah. still work at you know higher interest rates. You know, we look at uh, the cash flow and the investment. You know, um, each investment is its own you know entity. And if it works at whatever the interest rate it is, we're still buyers. So you mentioned a little bit back that. Indiana is a hot market, and that that hasn't historically been the case. I know when we started looking at properties in Indiana, it was you know in two thousand nine, I think, right when everything was collapsing, and I think we were buying properties in the twenty thousand dollar range. They weren't the nicest properties, but um, they were cheap. So when and when did Indiana get on the map as being a hot market, and what's happening there? Well, the the thing that brought it. To the market is people like you and us, investors, who saw what was happening here and the great deals that could be had. Mm-hmm. And then um, we've got such a diverse uh, economic and employment sector here, and especially in Indianapolis, we're the thirteenth one of the we're the thirteenth largest city in the United States, which people can't imagine. You know, if you take out Dallas, uh, you know, New York, L.A., those big cities, we're in that top tier of of size cities. So we fly under the radar in some ways, but people forget how robust this, this market is. And, and we've got just amazing employment and always have through the ups and downs. Now we're still a boring market, Kathy, don't worry. It's caught fire, but it, it's not like California type fire. You know, we, our typical uh, investment property is still about $150,000. So, you know, it's, it, we're not talking, you know, to the moon, which $150,000 for a, a, these are good quality suburban starter homes. You know, a lot of people call them a um, level type property. So don't worry, we haven't caught fire too much. You know, we've just uh, caught up to the nation basically. Well, I remember coming out to a few of your events and we used to have a slide that we would put up on what you could get in Indiana versus like the Bay area. And it was always, you know, a very jaw dropping, you know, uh, slide that we would put up there because, you know, we live large, 
you know, with half a million dollars, you know, and, you know, we would show what, what you would get in California for, for half a million dollars. And it's not quite the same, you know, so we had a big gap, um, between Indianapolis and some of the larger markets. We used to have a, a money magazine article that we would show our customers where it would rate the 50 largest cities in the country and the average uh, mortgage payment um, towards a um, the percentage of their income. And at that time, I mean, it's, these numbers are different. You know, it was 11% of a person's income went to their mortgage payment here um, in Indianapolis on average. And in LA, it was 55%. You know, so that gap was so big there for so long. We, you know, we had a lot of people looking at us because of that gap. And it's bridged a little bit, but we're still far from, you know, some of the other major markets. Yeah, it's just that cold winter, right? It's just that keeps people from buying those those half million dollar mansions. I mean, what what is a nice home costing these days, you know, 4,000 square foot home? Well, it depends on what suburb you're going to. But, uh, you know, I've got one of my closest friends. I don't play Molly McRealtor, you know, that often. Um, but I was helping one of my best friends, you know, get a house. And, you know, he paid uh, $550,000 for a 7,100 square foot you know, home. <laughs> in in uh, the nicest school district in the state, in wow. the last area, surrounded by all the wealth. Five yeah. bedrooms, uh, five yeah. and a half baths. I mean, it's, you know, very we, know, large we, home, great neighborhood. Great neighborhood. <laughs> you know, people can't fathom that out on the West Coast or some, some other places, but yeah. Um, you know, there for a while, I would have said, you know, 400 was, was the number, but you know, we've, we've kind of ran up a lot. Now we do have a lot of homes now that have crossed that million dollar mark, but you know, a million dollars in the Bay area, you know, is getting you, it's getting you a, a you know, a 1000 square foot shack, you know, <laughs> you know, a million dollars here, you know, I mean, your lifestyles are the rich and famous, you know, it's, it's just a totally, totally different world. So, and, so, you know, we've been in a bubble for a long time. I didn't realize even, you know, how fortunate we were till we got out there and started talking uh, to you folks in California and seeing what you guys, you know, have to put up with on a day-to-day basis. And that's kind of where that slide came into, into play when we'd come out to those events. Yeah, the weather here is awful. The winters are terrible. <laughs> the summers are hot. It's, it's a, a flat hellscape. You know, but at the end of the day, our real estate is amazing. The prices are amazing. We have an abundance of affordable housing that makes it really attractive for investors. We have this jobs base that makes it one of the best tenant pools in the nation. So you've got these this strong tenant pool um, with with rents that are that are on par with the country. Where real estate, we're still the sixth cheapest state in the country to buy real estate. Even though our rent, so like the numbers, that's why we caught fire. It's because the secret was out. Hedge funds realized it. Smart investors, you know, you guys, obviously you were, you've been telling your people about Indianapolis for a very long time. I mean, you've been telling about us for 10, over a decade and you were already in Indianapolis when you and I met. So, I mean, you've been, you, you were ahead of the curve there. Well, when most people didn't know where it was or what it was, uh, what's interesting, and this this happened after I met you guys, is you explained to me that there's tremendous wealth, massive money in parts of Indianapolis, which I don't think a lot of people understood, and that there's big, big corporate giants there. So tell me more about that. What's going on? You know, what is the economy there? 
It's funny because when I just came in here before this, I, I had a long phone call last night and she had to get off because she was boarding her, her – she was in Savannah, Georgia at the Gulfstream headquarters and, and her new jet was just being delivered. So they went to Savannah, I guess, to pick up their new jet. These people, there's high wealth in the area where, where we live. That's not quite the norm. But, but no, <laughs> I'm not saying that's everybody. We're all flying around on jets. Yeah, I'm just saying. That does exist. Yeah, it's crazy, the wealth here. But So we have really three main um, employment sectors. So first of all, uh, biopharmaceutical um, in- industry is, is a lot of companies are headquartered here in Indianapolis and and how that worked was Eli Lilly was was founded here in Indianapolis and they're one of those magnet companies that just drew everybody else that, else in and so that sector people don't realize the biopharmaceutical sector is based in Indianapolis for the country um, you've got all of the health giants that are just based here. It's kind of like if you got a Walgreens on one corner, you got a CVS on the corner across yeah, yeah. the street. You got Eli Lilly yeah. on one corner and you know Merck on the other, and Pfizer and and all of those. So I mean, we've got a really healthy sector for that. We're also the Midwest, which means that we do manufacturing. You know, it's mm-hmm. we're like every other Midwest city in that sense. So we've got a great manufacturing core as well, and then. We've got two other sectors. We used to have just one more, which was kind of the sports sector. People don't realize how many jobs are in that. So we've got the NCAA headquarters here. We've got um, all these NASCAR teams based here. The Indianapolis 500 is a race that you may or may not have heard of or whatever, but the bottom line is it creates a ton of jobs. And then we have the sports teams, Colts, Pacers. So it's amazing. Uh, CBS has uh, their sports headquarters here too. You've got all these jobs in that sector. And then what happened to add a fourth sector really through through the last decade was FedEx bought our old airport. Indianapolis built a new airport about a decade ago and FedEx bought the old one. And so now we're the second largest hub for FedEx in the world right behind Memphis. And so we've, and, and with that became all of the, you know, the Amazons and, and the warehouses. When you fly into Indianapolis airport, you just fly over warehouses for like 10 minutes before you land. It's just wild. They're how much, everywhere. Yeah. They're so literally everywhere. So we, we grew that logistics, um, you know, sector when FedEx did that. And we're, we're called the crossroads of America because we're kind of based centrally in the United States. And, our state has done a really good job economically of taking advantage of that and attracting companies that do shipping because we're centralized for them. So, so we've, we just have all of these great jobs base yet. Um, we have an abundance of land and affordable housing that also attracts employers. You know, we're not landlocked. Um, you know, we've got all the ability to grow and we're good at what we do with, with housing here. So I think it's important to note too, that we see a lot of, um, businesses migrating, you know, here also, we do, um, a lot of, you know, work in Elwood, Indiana, which is just about a half hour North of here and red gold tomatoes, um, took their corporate headquarters out of California and put it in Elwood, Indiana. Um, you know, we have a, uh, an office just North of here also in Anderson and Nestle has built a huge plant there. They just added 500 new jobs, um, at Nestle. So, we have a lot of people looking, um, you know, I, I know it's all over the news with, you know, the businesses that are leaving California and some of these, some of these places for, for, for different reasons, but we're seeing a lot of new businesses come to central Indiana also. 
Very cool. And so you probably have a pretty good handle on rental demand and where that is. So are there certain pockets where it's stronger than others? And, and uh, you know, where would that be? I would say what we gauge the most is where not to be. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, there, there are pockets um, in Indianapolis, and it's, it's like this in a lot of cities where you can have a very, very growing, um, thriving new, you know, um, area, but you could go, you know, two-tenths of a mile and be in an area that you don't want to be in. And we see a lot of uh, investors, out-of-area out of area investors, you know, think, oh, my gosh, I, mean, I need to buy, the, you know, these houses in, in these areas because the cash flow numbers are great. Well, you know, we call it the cycle of death. That's where you get on the, the, the hamster wheel of buying a property, renting it out, evicting, fixing it back up, and just that, that circle just, you know, keeps continuing. And while you're uh, fixing it up, all everything is stolen within it, including correct. the toilets. Oh, I've been there, and yeah. I know which neighborhoods you're talking about, and I've invested <laughs> in those neighborhoods, and so, I've yeah, been in the circle of death. We're, we're, we have we're not immune. We're not yeah. immune from, from, from that here in Indianapolis. So we're very cautious on where, um, you know, we buy properties, where we put our clients um, into properties. But as far as, like, the overall rental demand, you know, we've seen the rental demand, you know, go up just with with the uh, you know the demand in housing period. Like we literally don't have any inventory. It's it's crazy. And then you know, for for a long time, you know, we weren't big on rent increases because coming out of the Great Recession or even before the Great Recession, you know, you would you would see a twenty five, maybe fifty dollar increase in rental prices. And I would caution, you know, our our clients, do you? Want to raise the you know twenty five dollars on a good paying tenant that could upset them, you know, and then you have the risk of having to go through a tenant term vacancy, you know, lease up costs, all of that, all of that stuff. Um, but but now we've seen such increases that we've never even seen before in in my my career. You know, we've both been in this twenty plus years where we've seen you know ten fifteen percent you know increases you know, in a, in a 12 month period, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a market that we have not seen as far as the rental demand, where it's at today and where rental prices has gone. It's, it's really, um, you know, and it poses some, some, some issues with, uh, we've got some younger, um, folks that work here with us and rental prices are just so expensive. Yeah. And, and no way, nobody's building, um, those entry level houses anymore. So there's not going to be more of them, much less entry level apartments. That's so, a great point. So, uh, you know, we see a unique, um, kind of niche here for our clients that has evolved that, that these f- starter homes, they're not making more of them. And, um, that, that demand is crazy for them. So like the, the, the properties our clients are positioned in, you know, they're, they're, positioned amazingly well. And we're still able to get, you know, six to 10 of those a month of those properties. And they still go really fast because the cash flow is great. And a lot of our investors and, and Real Wealth Network members know, understand that part. And so they gobble them up as soon as we can get them. But there's just not, they're just not making more of those. And Well, you demand- can't, you can't make more of them. Right. You, you can't possibly build uh, cheaply anymore, a- anywhere, even in Indiana. So, I mean, you can build there a lot um, less expensively than you can in California and other areas, but it's it's expensive to build. So, buying existing and just fixing it up is a more affordable way for for the investor and also for the tenant. 
And we're also building new build uh, multifamily. Mm-hmm. And the only way we've been able to make this work is is working with the state on getting land for very little money with tax incentives involved. That way we can produce workforce level priced products. So we're, we're the only ones doing that though, that we mm-hmm. see in the entire state. We're building in Southern Indiana, 25 duplexes. We've got a bunch of those under roof already. That project's underway. And then come about June, we'll have 134 or 135 townhomes. You know, these are these are those entry level. These we're the only ones in this state. I feel like that's building these uh, this price point of rental properties for our clients to to own. You know, and they're able to pick up a duplex for under four hundred thousand dollars. You know that that brings in nearly two thousand dollars of of rent per side. You know, or a townhome wow. that brings in nearly two thousand dollars of rent per townhome. So there's some neat projects that we're figuring out a way to provide the market what the market needs. And, and, um, and our clients have been loving them and we love them. We're keeping a bunch in each of these projects. I wish I had unlimited money. I wouldn't sell any of them. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. Uh, All right, you guys, and you're going to be going over the details of those properties and how to get in touch with you. And uh, you know, you know, what, parts of Indianapolis to to invest in and which parts to stay away from. You'll be doing that on an upcoming webinar and also at our virtual live event. So people can find out about that at realwealthshow.com. Just join if you haven't already. And if you are a member, you're going to hear all about it uh, through our newsletter and our email. And of course, on the website. So I'm really looking forward to that because um, you know, we've been trying to get in on Indianapolis for a while. And like you said, there just hasn't been inventory. So this is, uh, there's still not, but there's more than there was, uh, which which means that we finally can come in and, and find some things, uh, which is great. So we're excited about that. We're excited too. And um, we look forward to that. And we're, you know, we're big believers in this market. We we happen to be stuck here in this cold, cold weather. Um, but it's 12 degrees right now. Yeah, it's 12 degrees right now. But the real estate makes up for it for us. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're glad to be here. Well, and you could just take a little flight to Florida or Hawaii with all the extra money you're saving by living right. there. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's, yeah. That's actually true. Yeah. So. All right, you guys. Well, it's always, always a pleasure speaking with you. Looking forward to seeing you at our virtual event and then hopefully in person, maybe in May. Sounds great. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. Again, go to realwealthshow.com to sign up for that webinar to find out more about the duplexes that they're building and how they cash flow and how these affordable properties are so, so desperately needed in the area. But, you know, these are affordable properties in strong markets in low crime markets. And you'll uh, find out all about that on our upcoming webinar, which you can find again at realwealthshow.com. And then our virtual live event on February 11th, which again, you can sign up for at realwealthshow.com. Thanks so much for joining me here today. Have a wonderful rest of your day. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.